Hey guys, welcome to the Moments of Joy podcast. My name is Camille Joy, and you're back for another episode. This is your place to be motivated, inspired, and encouraged through the words of testimonies. If you are here for the first time, welcome. We have a lot of episodes in the archives where you can go back and listen and see what we are all about. If you are back for a second, third, fourth time, or Way more than that, you are an MVP, and I call my listeners that come back every week MVP listeners. So thank you. The Moments of Joy podcast would be nothing without you. I've got an exciting episode for you today. We're going to be talking to Kim Williams all the way from Houston, Texas, the founder of Single Black Motherhood the host of the podcast, Experiencing Motherhood, Single and Black. And it's a good episode. She has an amazing testimony. And you guys, I promised you in the month of February that we would have some amazing guests that will encourage you. That's my goal. I've been through many ups and downs in life. And I know that hearing other people's stories help to motivate me. I am where I am today and have climbed up where, you know, out of where I've come from with the help of God. And so I just want you all to see that no matter where you are today, you can do the same. So we're going to get right into the episode with Kim. Without further ado, here we go, guys. All right. I'm so excited to have today on the Moments of Joy podcast, Kim Williams, the host of Experiencing Motherhood Single and Black. Welcome. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. You're welcome. I am just so excited. Um, I personally found her on Instagram and listened to her podcast and, um, she is single black motherhood on Instagram. And one of the things that helped me to see her was her live. You go live almost every week. <laughs> yeah, every every Thursday night for the most part at 830 Central Standard Time, we are live talking about all things single motherhood. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yep, that's great. Single moms need a network like them. You know. Yeah, because it's so hard to find community like where you are. And so I felt like that piece was missing. And so I've created it online. And now we're transitioning to, you know, meetups and um, things that we can do together, you know, and just right. creating that offline support system as well. Yeah, I find myself sometimes like, dang, I want to go, but I'm not a single mom. <laughs> I know. <laughs> My friends say the same thing. They're like, it looks so fun. Like, I want to come. Can I come? I'm like, sure. Just know that we're going to be talking about single motherhood stuff. So if you're right. okay with that, then that's, that's fine. 
on. <laughs> like I've I've been a single mom longer than I've been married. So <laughs> like, hey, I want to go. <laughs> totally but, fine. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> Next time I see something, that's funny. But um, I spoke to you. I heard a little bit of your story, and I loved it. And I thought that you would be so fitting of the Moments of Joy podcast. Because here we focus on telling people's testimony so that you, our listeners can be encouraged um, no matter where they are. And that they can see that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And so here we are with you. Um I spoke to you a little bit about your childhood. Well, I talked to you about your whole story, but we're going to get into your childhood. Um, one thing that you mentioned to me is that you were raised by grandma. Yes. Okay. You want to get into that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So growing up, my mom was diagnosed with uh, bipolar and schizophrenia, I believe, and I can't remember if she was diagnosed with anything else, but I just remembered those two. I need to get clarification on that for my own <laughs> purposes, but <laughs> for the sake of time, I'll just say that. And so um, my grandma kind of took over as far as raising my brother, and I, I think the issue started whenever my mom had my brother, and we're like 18 months or so apart, and yeah, she she just uh, took us in and took care of us, and my mom stayed with her as well, so it's always been like, you know, my grandma, my mom, my brother and I, my grandpa, you know, growing up, mm-hmm. and is there like anything else or anything else you want me to share about the, you know, like being raised, or is that okay? Um- yeah, that's fine. Where did you guys grow up? So grew up in Mississippi in a small town called Tyler Town. I don't know if you guys are familiar with like Hattiesburg or Jackson, Mississippi, but it's like an hour away from Hattiesburg and like two hours away from Jackson. Most people know where Jack- Jackson is because it's like, you know, the state's capital. So if you know mm-hmm. where Jackson is, it's like <laughs> two hours away from there. Yeah. So growing up, mom was still in the house so you didn't really have a void of like not having mom because she was still there um well so it's kind of difficult to explain because although she was there we didn't really communicate much so it was like I don't know I don't want to say like growing up with a mom but I don't have a relationship with my mom like okay um I guess you would think that I would if that makes sense because you know I think her mindset is I, I don't I don't know how to explain it, but she it's just not normal. Right. Basically. I'm just gonna keep it real. It's not normal. Well, like, you know, sick. she takes meds okay. and she's been taking them since I was a kid, mm-hmm. but she doesn't act as if she is a, a mom and she doesn't act like normal. I mean, she acts normal in a sense of she's able to do like daily activities on her own. Mm-hmm. But as far as like, okay, you know, I have kids that I still have to raise. No, it's like she basically, once my grandma took over, she basically allowed my grandma to take over. And so we ended up calling my grandmother ma, you okay. know, because she was the one who was raising us and um, taking us places and doing things. And even sometimes she would tell us to ask my grandma for things. So, okay. yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's just really one of those stories that 
people don't really talk about. And I don't know yeah. if the same type of stuff happens in other black families, but mm-hmm. nobody ever really talked about what happened to her. Nobody ever really, um, you know, just tells the story. And so I am going to therapy now. Like I started um, last week and actually this week, I'm sorry. So I started therapy this week and I am on a quest to like gain clarity, but I feel like I needed some help navigating that uh, kind of difficult space, you know, mm-hmm. because it's hard for them to talk about it. And everybody has their own story as to what happened. Mm-hmm. And I did not want to go to my mom and ask her because I'm like, I don't want to trigger anything. You know what right. I'm saying? I'm not um, really, uh, I guess, like fully uh, educated on mental health. And mm-hmm. so I don't know what all like it entails when, you, as far as like asking somebody, like, how did they get here? If that's right. even a thing for them to kind of talk about, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And a little like, bit, another thing about my childhood was that, you know, my dad was like in and out. So he was kind of absent. I would consider okay. him an absent father at this point. Like growing up, he would come see us some weekends, some weekends he would say that he was coming, but he would never show up. Just a lot of like, you know, like telling stories or lies, I guess, you know, we're grown. Um, and so right. that, yeah, that was childhood. And he tried to blame my grandma for a lot of like his absence. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You know, you know um, a similar story that I did hear, and you're right, because in our culture, we don't really talk about mental illness. And part of the reason is because um, a lot of people are walking around with mental illness and, and don't know. And and a lot of people are ashamed. But I, I remember hearing Tiffany Haddish, Haddish's story. Have you ever heard her story? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah. It's like very similar, but thank God for your grandmother because she had nobody else to step in. And then yeah, she and, and it's like my dad, you know, he was a whole breathing, living human being. But I guess my grandma was not going to allow that to happen because he was so unstable, right. you know? Mm-hmm. So, yes, thank God for grandma. And that's amazing. You know, my grandma is a major part of my life. And my, my mom is a major part of my kid's life, so... Shout out to all the grandmas. Yes. Now, my mom, I will say that um, whenever my daughter goes and visits, she does spend a lot of time with my daughter. It's like they can connect. So it's like that is so hard for me because I'm just like, you know, she wasn't really like there. Um, Not that it's hard in a sense of like, oh, you know, she is like playing with my daughter, but she didn't play with me growing up. Not that kind of thing. But it's just like Mm -hmm. I really don't understand how her mind processes things. And so I'm also on a search to find that out as well, because my daughter absolutely loves her. Um, Mm -hmm. She has read with my daughter. She's played, you know, dolls, like everything. My daughter loves her. Yeah, that's beautiful. So shout out to you in your quest to you know, search this thing out and get therapy. That's amazing. Um, that is amazing. And so um, you found yourself into high school. What was high school like for you? Um, so high school was basically going to school and working. So I got a worker's permit at 15. And my mom, would, I don't know if you guys um, have this in like other states, but to get a worker's permit, your parent has to um, sign for you to get one. And it basically says that you can work at certain times. So I tried to get, like, my first job. It was at Subway inside of the local Walmart. 
And yeah, it did not work. I hated it. And so I could not get a regular job until I was 16. And I just worked until like I did not want to do it anymore. And then I quit and I waited till I turned 16 and I got my next job and I worked there up until like my sophomore year in college. So I I went to school like two hours away from home. So I would come back home and work um, even after I got to college. But yeah, so to answer your question, college, I mean, high school was pretty much work and school. I didn't do a lot of things that a lot of my classmates did because I wanted to work. It wasn't like, you know, my mom or grandma was like, you have to work. But I saw the struggle and I was like, I don't want to have to ask for anything. And so I was um, able to make my own money and provide for my brother and I um, outside of Mm -hmm. what, you know, little income my mom had coming in. And my grandma was helping Mm -hmm. out outside of what they were able to do. You know, they provided the essentials, but it wasn't like we were living lavish or anything like that. And so that's why Mm -hmm. I got a job. So, yeah, I didn't I don't feel like I had like, I guess, a normal childhood in a sense of like, Mm -hmm. you know, going to school events and having fun because I didn't desire to do that stuff because I wanted to make money because I couldn't get a lot of the things that other kids were getting. So I wanted to be able to buy it for myself. Yeah, yeah. So you had to grow up yes. quick. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then I hear you say you went to college, so you managed to get to yes. college. So <laughs> I got a scholarship to the mm-hmm. local college, but I didn't want to stay oh, wow. at home. I wanted to okay. go away because I was tired of the environment that I was in. So um, I had a mm-hmm. cousin, and she's gone on to glory now. Rest in peace, bless her heart. But she um, she mm-hmm. went to Tougaloo College, and so she talked about the school and how I needed to go to an HBCU and all of these things. I never heard of an HBCU. You know, I went to a predominantly white school, and so okay. <laughs> it was, like, so different for me. Wow. But I was like, you know, I trust her. If this is what she said is the best for me, then I'm going to do that. And so I ended up going there, and, you know, I ended up getting pregnant my junior year, and so... I went back to finish after, you know, I had my daughter a year later. Okay, wow. And so your junior year, you start dating someone, you get no, pregnant. No, uh, we started was- dating my uh, okay. sophomore year. So we have been dating like a year or so, maybe a little bit longer than a year. Wow. And so... What do you do when you find out you're Oh, pregnant? my gosh. It was and terrifying. College. It was devastating. Like, I, I I just, I don't know. Like, words could not describe the way that I felt because I feel like I was doing so well. I was on this journey to, like, not be like my mom was and not be a single mom and have two kids and, you know, not necessarily have the help of the father you know I was like whenever I first went to college I was like not going to talk to any guys I'm just going to do my work get my degree so I can get a job because that's what we're taught right you need to go to school to get you a degree so you can get a job and so that's what I thought that I was doing but um my sophomore year I actually um I met this guy through one of my sorority sisters because I would take her over to um to his house, his apartment because he had a roommate. And so she was actually talking to his roommate. And then she th- she was like, you should talk to him. And, you know, so we started talking. We started dating. And I started to go over there, spend the night. And just all of these things I had no business doing, right? <laughs> and so 
a year mm-hmm. later, <laughs> yeah, here I am pregnant with the whole baby, okay? And I was actually on an internship in New York. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, how yeah. am I going to, like, get to the store to, like, get a pregnancy test alone? Because we went to the store in groups. Mm-hmm. So it's like we worked, um, we interned at a federal lab. So there were, like, no stores within walking wow. distance. It was, like, in a rural area. So you had to catch the bus, like, every few days if you wanted to go to the store and like I said you would go with a group so it's like I'm Mm -hmm. not about to buy a pregnancy test on a grocery store trip you know (laughs) you know what I'm saying (laughs) but it's like you know the first month I missed my period I was like you know okay you know I was telling myself total denial right but I was telling myself like maybe this is just a one-off like you had before you know (laughs) like and so the right. second month came right. and then I still <laughs> didn't have a period and I was like, yo, I'm I'm probably pregnant. And the crazy thing is I was having dreams about being pregnant and I was having dreams about having a baby. So it was like so wow. crazy. I can't even tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and so anyways, I was oh there like goodness. from I think end of May to like August. And so I got back to Mississippi in August and I went to buy a pregnancy test. So for those two and a half months, I had not seen Uh a a doctor. I had not gotten Uh any kind of care. And yeah, Yeah. I was still basically in denial. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, wait, pause. I heard you say something about sorority. What sorority are you in? (laughs) Alpha, Kappa, Alpha. (laughs) aka yeah. oh shout out to your sorority you. <laughs> <laughs> okay we'll go back <laughs> and so and you get home when did you finally take your pregnancy test? so i i can't remember exactly i know that i got back and at the time i was living off campus i had moved in with this girl that i knew from work that had a house so okay I think I missed the part so in college um I was doing research um and I got paid a monthly stipend so that's how I was making money in college um prior to that like I just had to make it the best way I could with like student loans or unfortunately I had gotten a credit card and I would use that but once I got the internship um I feel like it wasn't enough money, right? So I got a job uh-huh. at um, Longhorn Steakhouse and I worked there for like every y'all, okay? <laughs> like at first I was a host <laughs> and then I became a server. And so <laughs> I just, I again, I worked there forever. But I did that and I was like trying to, I guess at this point, trying to decide like once I found out that I was pregnant, like, do you really believe in abortions? Like, you can't have a kid, you know? I I fell into, like, this dark, deep hole, like, you know, trying to Mm. battle between the thoughts of, like, abortion and whether I can really, like, have a child and raise a child, being in the circumstances that that I was in because I'm like, you know, well, right now I'm taking care of myself, you know? Like, nobody is helping me. (laughs) And I knew that the Mm -hmm. guy I was dating, he already had a kid, and he held him from me for, like, some time. And for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. like, you know, he didn't tell me, like, he had a kid until, you know, after we had been talking for quite a few months. And so Mm -hmm. 
I ended up going to visit the abortion clinic. I um, I went in, you know, it was like all sorts of um, protesters outside because it is Mississippi. And so um, it's mm-hmm. not as like yeah. um, diverse as a lot of, you know, bigger cities and people like really care mm-hmm. about that stuff like heavy. And so um, it, they say it's like private, but honestly, if you pass by the abortion clinic and you see somebody's car that, you know, you know, it's them. Right. So it was like dealing with like embarrassment right. and shame and all of that. But I still was on this quest to find out whether I truly believed in abortions like because I say that you know I believe in God and I don't believe in abortions and this and that but I still have this question can I raise this Uh kid to the best of my ability and so um, Mm -hmm. I went in and you know it was it's just so depressing honestly I if you have had one like you it takes a lot of goods like I don't know Mm -hmm. but I went in there and you know some people had their partners with them or boyfriends or whatever um, and then some people were alone. And so the, the procedure is outpatient. So, um, but before you go in there, they have to do an ultrasound and you have to see a counselor because they tell you about the process and, you know, thoughts you might have afterwards and stuff like that. So after I had the ultrasound, of course, you know, I was too far along for them to do it at their clinic. So they would recommend uh-huh. me to go to, um, Memphis, I believe it was like the next, you know, the next day over, I guess. And so, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I was like there wow. to talk to the counselor and I just left. I was like, yo, I can't do this. You know, like at this point, I am yeah. so far along. I'm literally killing a, a child. Like that's how I was looking at the situation. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I remember getting yeah. in my car and just crying, crying, crying. Like, I didn't go with anybody. Like, nobody went with me. I told, like, one girl that I knew at school that I was thinking mm-hmm. about it because she had had one. And so um, mm-hmm. I also remember this other girl at work saying that she had had one and she was not able to have a kid anymore. So it's like every time she um, yeah. every time she oh, would wow. have, like, I don't know if you call it, like, an anniversary, but not an anniversary, but, like, mm-hmm. you know how people celebrate, like, the kid's birth it's like every time that day came around that she had an abortion she would literally cry or she would be sad because it would remind her that this is the reason why you can't have a kid you know because you decided to abort the child that you were blessed with I guess and so it's funny that you say that because my last guest um we had a story called the aftermath and um she had two abortions, and for the next twenty five years plus, she was yeah. Never so it's like it affects people in different ways, but yeah, I'm I just thank God like every day that I I just needed to see that I think I just needed to be there, um, but it really showed me a lot. And so yeah. after going there, after making the decision, like okay, I I need to find out how I can get to the doctor. You know, I didn't have any type of insurance. And so um, my friend told me to go to this place. I think it's similar to, is it called, um, what is this one? It's like this big company that they are um, pro-abortion, like they support it. What is that company called? Do you know what I'm talking about? Planned Parenthood. Okay, so they had a place that's similar to that. But Mm -hmm. I don't think it's called Planned Parenthood. And so it's some kind of like birth center or something. I don't remember the name of it but they have people that you can talk to um and so I went in there 
and I kind of explained like, you know, the feelings I had, what I was going through. And so this really nice lady, you know, she, um, she made me take a pregnancy test. Right. But while I was waiting for the results, um, she prayed for me and like, that was the best thing somebody could have ever done, Mm -hmm. like during that moment. And like, just to sum it all up, right. they were able to refer me to one of the best, like, OBs in the city. Like, this man was amazing. Wow. Um, and so they got me in, like, a couple days later, which was also amazing. Because I don't know if you know, but if you're living mm-hmm. in a small town right. um, or city, it's really hard to get, like, appointments ASAP. Yeah. So they gave me some prenatal vitamins until I was able to um, get there. Now, once I had, you know, my initial check and everything, they could tell me what I was having at that point. You know, (laughs) but I like every day I thank God that my Mm -hmm. daughter came out normal. You know, she was a little small. Well, she she was born six pounds, but still, like, I really struggled with, like, the pregnancy because I was trying to do everything I could to, like, um, not, like, have a lot of, I guess, gain a lot Mm -hmm. of weight and just, like. I guess a lot, I had a lot of symptoms of depression, but nobody ever told me like, Kim, you're depressed. You needed to go see somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to tell your doctor about this. No, I was just suffering mm-hmm. in silence. Yeah. Wow. And I know that some young women yeah. are doing the same. So um, that's yeah, absolutely. amazing. And thank it's you my for truth. sharing Okay, so you have the baby, and what is it okay, like? Okay, so no, I'm still I'm in grandma? Jackson, and you know it's my daughter's father, and I, I'm staying with my roommate that I was with, uh, you know, initially when I came back from my internship. So I have the baby, I'm there with her, and she already has two kids. So why was I even in this house? Like I don't know. <laughs> so okay, I'm there and. Like, I think after the first couple of weeks, I get frustrated because the kids, you know, they're just being kids. But at that time, I didn't really realize that they would always want to come and see the baby. And, you know, she would pop in. She wouldn't bother me as much as the kids. But like my patience level is not the best. So I was like, you know, talking to my child's father and I was like, mm-hmm. I can't really stay here that much longer. And so he had a roommate at the time. And he was like, well, you could just come stay with us. I'm like, well, how's your roommate going to feel? And he was like, he won't mind his girls over here all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm like, but we have a whole kid. And and so anyways, long story short, I ended up moving in with him (laughs) and his roommate. And so they had like a few more months on their lease. And so once the lease was up, like, you know, his roommate moved out. And so um, we stayed together in that apartment that they had together. It was a two-bedroom already. And so um, we were both, like, working two jobs just trying to make it. And so fast forward, um, I think my daughter's Mm. father had, like, some anger management things going on. And so I was like, I cannot stay here with you either. Like, (laughs) I cannot do this. So I have to figure out how can I afford to live on my own, (laughs) you know, at this point. And so um, I ended up getting like this low income apartment that I was like barely able to pay that and my bills, but I did it and I had peace. And so he would come over and visit. He would uh, pick the mm-hmm. pick the baby up and take it to daycare or, you know, just whatever I asked him to do. He would pretty much do that. And that was it. 
<laughs> like, and, and I was like working at that point. I had gotten a job in HR um, due to one of my friends from college because she worked at this company and they were looking for an HR assistant. And so I needed a full time job because waiting tables was not enough to like provide and pay my rent and do these things. And so, yeah, I ended up getting that job uh, working as an HR assistant. And so I was still working as a server, like maybe two or three nights a week, in addition to, you know, um, working as an HR assistant and going back to school to finish up. I had two classes that I needed to finish. Thankfully, I had I was ahead and I could have graduated early, but I didn't and ended up having okay. a kid. So, wow. Yeah. And so did you graduate? Okay. Yeah, I did. I graduated in 2014. Mm. So I guess it's almost been five years now. <laughs> so I graduated with a degree in biology. Um, but at that point, I was like, I am not meant to work in a lab because I originally went to school with the thought of becoming a medical okay. scientist. Like I wanted to do research, but I did research, you know, um, like I said, like I, I had an intern like every year not an intern, I guess it was a, like a uh-huh. fellowship and they would pay me each month to do research with the professor at the school. And then during the summers, I would go to Mississippi state and do research there with my mentor. Okay. And so, yeah, after, after I left school and I had uh, my daughter, I didn't, I was like, yeah, this is not for me. Um, I have to figure it out. But when I graduated, I didn't try to, like, find another mm-hmm. job. I feel like maybe I was comfortable at right. that point, you know, but I was working two jobs. I still wasn't really spending, like, any time with mm. my daughter. And so that next year, I was just like, okay, the relationship with my child's father and I was not really improving. You know, he was still only doing the bare minimum. Like, he wasn't being an active Mm -hmm. parent as far as, okay, let me go pick her up because, you know, I know you need a break or you need something. Or I wanted to spend time with my child. It was only like he would only keep her whenever I needed to go to work or do Mm -hmm. something. It wasn't ever a time where he was like, let me just take. But I, I understand we were right. young because I, I don't think I mentioned the right. age, but I was 21 when I was pregnant and 22 when right. I had her. And we, we're the same uh-huh. age, uh, except like he makes a year older than me and like Jordan. Right. But anyways, so at that moment, like I didn't think like maybe he doesn't get it. And I didn't try to communicate that. And I didn't know mm-hmm. how. Right. Mm-hmm. So I just was frustrated. And, like, when he would try to talk, it would make him mad because I, I was, like, I guess <laughs> I'm, I was this person where, like, if you talk to me and I didn't really care to hear what you had to say, I wouldn't say anything at all. I would just look at you. <laughs> and so, <laughs> like, that really burned him up inside. And so, like, long story short, we did not make it. And I was, like. Yeah, I, I don't think that we should continue this relationship because it's not even a relationship at this point. We don't do anything. We don't really talk about anything. Like, we're not in a relationship. Right. You know, we're, we're not intimate anymore. Like, nothing is happening. Right. So, yeah, we, uh, so I broke up with him and, like, we still communicated afterwards for a while. And then I told him about my thought to move. And so he really didn't have anything to say. And that's when, you know, I started planning. Well, not really planning, I guess, telling my manager, like, hey, you know, I'm putting in my, I think I put in like a month's notice because, um, you know, the city is so small and I didn't know if it would be hard to find a replacement. So I gave her like a month's notice. Mm -hmm. And in that month, I was talking back and forth with the family who suggested that I move. 
And then, yeah, I just up and did it. Like I sold most of everything that I could sell. And then I took the rest and we basically just started over from scratch. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you, to, you moved where? So we moved to Houston. So that's where I am now. Okay. We moved yeah. with some family um, that said that they would help me out with the baby and this and that. So we were there around six or seven months before I was like, this is not working either. <laughs> like, you know, I just cannot, it's just hard to stay with people. I don't know. Yeah, and so it um, it's like, they wanted to know like every single move I was making, what I was doing. Um, I feel like I was being treated as a kid again. Uh-huh. And so I I don't know. And then I had to like, you know, speak to everybody. And it's like, okay, like if I come in the house and you're there, I'll speak. But I don't always want to make conversation. And so that was you're another right. issue. Like, well, you know, this person said you didn't really talk to them much today or yesterday. And I'm like, it was always something petty. And so uh-huh. I took my daughter back to Mississippi, like after that six or seven months. And I told my grandma the situation. I was like, you know, I'm going to have to figure this out. I'm going to have to find somewhere to live. I didn't know how I was going to pay the rent, but I found Mm -hmm. an apartment that would allow me to, (laughs) to like rent. And so it was a two bedroom and one bath, I believe. And so we moved in there and I had money saved up because I like, I had been staying with them, like I said, it was six or seven months. So I was able to save right. money. And I think, and I saved my income tax, didn't spend maybe a couple dollars right. of it. So I had like four, maybe $5,000 saved whenever we moved out. So I was able to like furnish the apartment and wow. um, pay up like two or three months of the rent. And so. Yeah, that's, pause that's amazing for someone that age you you the way you're describing yourself I'm like man she was totally a (laughs) go-getter you knew what you wanted and you went like numerous times after it this is not working I'm gonna do this this is not working I'm gonna do that there's people that are 30 and 40 that just don't have that um that grit yeah to like go after it yeah that's good that's amazing. Oh, thank you. I, I don't even think of it that much. People are always like, well, how did you do this? And how did you do this? And I'm like, I just did it. Like, I don't take a lot of time to think. And I guess that's kind of what mm-hmm. sets me apart from the rest. Like, I just do it. Yeah. If it needs to be done, just do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> like I said, so I was able to furnish the apartment and um, pay up a few months of the rent. And so I was getting low on my savings and I was like, okay, how am I going to pay this rent? Like, the job that I had was um, not paying enough because the rent was like $900 or $1,000. And I think one check might have been $1,000. And I still had a car note. I had some credit card bills, had some student loans, and, you know, some other, like, you know, utilities and phone bills and stuff like that. And so I'm like, how am I going to make it? And so I started, like, searching. Um, I, I believe at the time, I don't know if you've heard of the Budgetista, but back then she had yes. um, she had just started like the Live Richer group. Okay. And so I was a part of it. And like this woman had posted like, you know, work from home opportunities or whatever. You know, sometimes you're kind of weary because you're like, it could be scam, uh, a scam. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I'll just make my own post and I'll see if anybody knows what I can do. So I made my own post and this was like really stepping out of my comfort zone because, you know, I'm used to like working for everything on my own and not asking anybody for anything. 
And I was like, hey, you know, I need uh, something that I can do from home. Do you guys know of any opportunities? I don't want to do sales. (laughs) Like, that's out. And so, actually, I had this Mm -hmm. lady reach out to me about becoming a travel agent. And I thought about that. But then I was like, it's not promising. Like, people don't always travel. Mm -hmm. And this other lady, she reached out about, like, working, doing customer service from a company at home and I was like oh perfect Mm -hmm. and so you know she gave me her number we talked she was also a single mom in Atlanta and you know Mm. she told me about it and I was like I'm sold now I did have to pay to sign up and keep this in mind I didn't have a lot of Mm -hmm. money but I was willing to like invest if I could make the money back Mm -hmm. and so she said that you know, I would have to pay for my background check and for my training. And you couldn't get paid until, like, I think the end of training where you started doing your certification calls. Now, the company ended up being um, Apple, but I worked for Arise. So just in case anybody's out there wondering, like, what did you do? So the company is Arise. And what Mm -hmm. they do is they have these companies that they contract with and they hire um, basically contractors for those companies. And so I was doing like customer mm-hmm. service for Apple from home. That's what I was doing through Arise. And so that allowed me to okay. um, pay my rent and have some little extra money. But the problem was that I was coming home from work for my full-time job. And I was basically like mm-hmm. running to get my daughter food, sitting her down in front of the TV, um, letting her eat while I did a shift or two you know, give her a bath and get back on the right. computer to work again, making sure that I got my minimum two to three hours uh, a day. And so mm. that was like really tough, but it was my reality for six or seven months. And then after that, they took the contract wow. away from Arise. So Apple said, we no longer want to work with you guys, mm. basically. And so I was mm-hmm. like, okay, what am I going to do now? So I tried this other company. I didn't right. like it. So I said, you know what? I have to find another job. So found another job to mm-hmm. pay more money. And finally, I was able to, you know, survive with just one job. But the problem is I didn't really have a lot of That's extra dirty. money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I, again, mm-hmm. started to find mm-hmm. ways that I could, like, you know, generate some extra income. And so I was, like, selling mm-hmm. earrings. I was um, making flyers for people, like, on Microsoft Word or Microsoft Publisher or something. This was before Canva was a thing, right? And so I was just trying okay. to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And so now I've gotten to a point where, you know, I can finally breathe. I'm able to, like, you know, uh, find other single moms, which led me to, you know, creating the podcast. Because after I had lost the, well, I didn't lose it. You know, they ended the contract. Um, I was like, I had time to breathe and think. Because before that, I didn't have time for anything. Even on the weekends, I was working. And if I wasn't working, I was, like, playing with my daughter because I mm-hmm. didn't get to do it during the week, right. you know, because it was so rushed. That is yeah. amazing. So you start this podcast, which is amazing and phenomenal. And um, how, do you, how do you even Thank get you. the thought to start that? So uh, if you remember, (laughs) so I was like, okay, now I don't have work like I used to. Now I can actually think. And so I I don't know how I got into podcasts initially. I think, 
you know, I followed my leak from Curlbox and I'm thinking that she was the first uh, podcast okay. I ever listened to. And I really loved it. And I was like, oh, no, actually, maybe it was Tiffany, the Bajanista, oh, yeah. because I was in that group. I think she was probably the first one. And then I found my leak. And then I was like, yo, I wonder if there are any single mom mm-hmm. podcasts out there. Because, uh, like, they were telling their stories, like, my leak and, you know, Tiffany would talk about some things, her and right. Mandy. And so I was like, you know, I am in this situation where, you know, I thought I had this great support system um, that I no longer have anymore. And I know there has to be somebody else out there that's going through something similar. Because, you know, like old people always say, like, there's somebody out there who's in a much worse situation right. than you are. So don't ever think that your situation mm-hmm. is the worst. So I'm like, okay, so I know there has to be somebody out here. So I started searching, but I wanted to find, like, a black mm-hmm. person. And so I started searching, like, I just typed in single moms, honestly. And there were a whole bunch of, like, white podcasts that came up. No, you know, um, disrespect or anything like that. But I started listening. And, I mean, they were good. But I was like, you know, nobody really talks about the family. And nobody really talks about the mindsets. And, like, I could not Mm -hmm. find that. And so, anyways, I listened to these podcasts from, from the white women for probably like half the year before I was like okay Kim like you need to do something about this now there was um two black women that were podcasting previously like long time ago but they had stopped and I googled these ladies and everything but they I I made I don't know if I would have even been able to relate to them because they were like six-figure earners or something like that so they were just talking about I guess even struggles that they had making Mm -hmm. the money you know, so I was like, maybe I'll relate to them, but maybe not. But I just wanted to find them. And so could not find them, looked them up on Instagram, Google, like Facebook. Like I was looking for these ladies LinkedIn, like wow. everywhere. And I have not been able to. I think I came across one of the sites that she might have had a while back, but there was no activity okay. on it. And so I was like, OK, Kim, this is your chance. You can share your story with the world and you can also allow like other moms to share Absolutely. their stories. And so... I sat on that Mm -hmm. idea. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so at the end of the year, I told um, this girl had reached out to me to be interviewed on her YouTube channel. She was like, you know, I just want to know how you made it this far and how you continue to do what you do every day. So all I would do was like really share my devotions in the morning and kind of share like some of my day on Insta story. And I was like, wow, you know, she wants to know my story. Like, you know, she's a, um, I think she was a PhD student at the time, like super smart, um, well-kept, like everything. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why would she want to know about me? I'm a single mom and I'm this, and she's doing so well for herself. I mean, she really keeps herself up. And so I'm just like, you know, I'm just a regular, you know, old girl, like out here working, trying to make it and take care of my Mm -hmm. kid. And so anyways, I was like, yeah, you know, I'll do it. But still in the back of my mind, Camille, I was like, why does she want to hear right. from me? And something said, you know, Kim, if she wants to hear your story and how you're getting stuff done, there are so many other people out there that probably would benefit from just hearing your story. Absolutely. And some of the things that you've done, you know, that would help them out. And so I was like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, that was in November. Right. And I was like, I have to do this podcast. And so um, January of 2018 i launched it yay 
and I like I didn't have a real mic I didn't have like you know all this equipment that other people have when they launch I didn't even have a real plan I just knew that I wanted to create this sort of community for myself and other people Mm -hmm. of single moms that get it you know and that were working hard and trying to provide for their kids doing the same thing that I was doing if not better and they were you know especially I like to talk to the single moms you know like you said you've been a single mom that have made Mm -hmm. it and they have crossed that bridge and made it to the other side and they're able to you know reach back and kind of help us out and tell us what helped you along the way and I really truly enjoy podcasting yeah it is awesome I enjoy you and here I am clear across the country in Connecticut so I know that there are people all over the world that just love that podcast and you know I'm hoping that all of my single mother listeners will go ahead and follow and listen and become a part of the community because it's a great support. Yeah. And I, that's what I've really like strive to create, you know, just somewhere where um, women can be open and they can ask their questions. Those hard questions. They may not really want to ask a friend because they don't understand, or they don't want to ask their parents because they don't understand, Right, you know, but we're able to talk, um, to each other right. and help each other. And that's and that's beautiful because when I, I was a single mom until I was twenty nine. I'm thirty three now. But um I Oh wow. Yeah, okay. And so I just got married. But um I have four kids by the time I was twenty one. And so um it wasn't that many people that I mean, not even that many, maybe one that you might hear of that ever had that many children that young so it I didn't really have a network I I was really close to my family but I didn't really have a group of of single mom friends or someone who could really relate um so I I clung to my family and um thank god that they gave me really good support but um, yeah, because like, I don't know if that would have, you know, like my pregnancy, right. <laughs> like my grandma, she dragged me through the mud whenever mm-hmm. I told her I was pregnant. Yeah. Now they did step in afterwards, but I am not close to anyone like outside of my immediate family other than like my cousin and a great aunt. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I don't really communicate a lot with family. Yeah. And so, so that would have been like super tough for me. Mm-hmm. Like I know it was tough with one, mm-hmm. but just four. Right. Like- because I had, I was in a relationship and, and it was very abusive, but I stayed for five years. And then once I said, okay, what are you doing, Camille? If you stay here, you're going to have 10 kids. Let's go. And so I really, I left and I kind of just dove deeper into my relationship with Christ. And that just gave me the strength and the push and everything to create this life this new life yes everybody asked me like how did you like literally I I try to stay grounded in the word too and I've gotten away from it a couple times but he pulls me right back in Mm -hmm. because I'm like if it wasn't for his grace if it wasn't for his mercy I would not be here today talking to you I just wouldn't be here period You know, so many times I wanted to give up. I wanted to move back to Mississippi because of the like emotional stuff that I was going through living with, you know, those family members and feeling like, you know, why, like, Lord, why did you bring me here if you knew that I was going to go through this? But I always know that, you know, there's always a a blessing in every lesson and you're able to share those lessons with other people and they're able to learn from it. And so I think I read somewhere where it said, it talked about how a lot of times we don't even go through stuff for ourselves. We go through Mm -hmm. it so that we can help the next person and we can help, you know, someone else. Absolutely. Yep. And um, so 
Before we wrap up the show, do you have any specific advice or encouragement for single Black moms out there that may have may find themselves at any point um, in your story? Uh, yeah, I would just say just don't allow yourself to become stuck and stagnant. I feel like a lot of the times moms make excuses, and it's not even only for single moms, but moms in general I'm sorry, Camille. Sorry. You might have to edit that out. But, um, you know, they get stuck and they make excuses to say, well, I'm a mom. I can't do this or um, I can't do this because I don't have the money. Learn to be resourceful. Learn to open your mouth and ask for help. And I know it's tough, but when you're out here and you're doing this thing alone or whether you're with somebody, you know, you need help. You need supporters around you. You need community. So I just like, I just want to encourage everybody that if, you know, there's one thing that you've been wanting to do, like stop making excuses, just do it. Like that's all I have. Yes. That is great advice. <laughs> that is, that is all great I have. Advice. Oh, and do the yes. work. That's another thing. Cause it's not, mm-hmm. Like, um, make time to actually, I don't know if you guys like believe in journaling or like mm-hmm. meditating, but find something that you can do first thing in the morning. Like mm-hmm. I, I strongly encourage, um, putting you at the top of your to-do list. I had a conversation with the mom, I want to say a couple of weeks ago, and she was telling me that she kind of felt depressed. She felt burnt out and she didn't know why. And I said, tell me a little bit about your day. And so she walked me through her day and Camille, I noticed that this uh, mom did not have any sort of routine in place and she Mm -hmm. did not do anything for herself in the morning. She works from home. She gets up and goes to work, goes straight to work. And then when her daughter's ready for school, she'll bring her daughter to school and then she'll come back and work again. You're working yourself to death. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to make time to check in with yourself. If you don't take care of you, how will you pour into your kids, how you pour into other yes. people, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that's another important thing. You know, I could go on and on about that, but I just really wanted to say that. I think maybe that's even more important than the first thing I said. So make sure that you have something that you do yeah. each and every morning. I don't care if it's Saturday or not. Like my daughter is still asleep. Um, and you can edit this out, but you know, <laughs> okay. I have to make sure, like, whenever I get off of this podcast, I'm going to go and do something for me. I'm going to read. I'm going to journal. I'm going right. to do something before she wakes up. hmm Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Kim, thank you so, so much. You are a gem. You are a jewel. Um, you know, I heard a little bit of, of your story before, but I'm just smiling from ear to ear. Because oh, I know that it's, <laughs> somebody is going to be encouraged. And you're the type of person that people should watch. Because, I mean, 10 years from now, wow. I would just love to see where you are. Because you're going to keep on evolving and keep on going to the next thing and keep on growing. So I'll be watching. I thank God for divinely connecting us for reasons that we spoke about. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. But yeah. I'm so excited <laughs> to know you and um, excited to continue to watch you. Thank you. You for are being welcome. A guest. I appreciate it. Um, Again, y'all can connect with me over on Single Black Motherhood on Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, find me there. Yep, and experiencing motherhood single and black. I will have the links to your Instagram 
and your podcast in the description of the show so that they can find you. Awesome. Be a part. Again. Start I appreciate it, Camille. You're welcome. All right. We will talk soon. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye.